It's time to eat. Get in my belly. Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. And if you're looking for a place to make your online wagers, head over to betonline.ag. Use the promo code PODCAST1. You get a 100% sign-up bonus right now. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. And they got a whole lot more than that I'll tell you about a little bit later on in the show. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams over seven years, Redskins, Cowboys, Buffalo Bills, New England Patriots, Cleveland Browns, and then actually back to the Redskins. It was actually almost six teams in seven years with the Atlanta Falcons, but they failed me on my physical, so I went back to the Redskins. At any rate, I've got five podcasts for you now. Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Andrew Brandt was awesome yesterday. Greg Cosell will be amazing tomorrow. You can also listen to the Even Money Podcast. We were all over what is going on with the win total movement after free agency. So highly encourage you to listen to the Even Money podcast. College Draft podcast is great. We're about a month out from the NFL Draft. This is the Fantasy Feast podcast where we dive into all things fantasy football. And with all the free agent movement, we got to get Joe Dolan, the expert, at FG underscore Dolan, number one ranked fantasy analyst in the world over the last five years. We got to get his thoughts on the running backs, Gordon, Gurley, Jordan Howard, the receivers, Sanders, Robbie Anderson, Perriman, Randall Cobb, the tight ends, Ebron, Hooper, Eifert. What does it mean for these guys now that they have moved teams? What does it mean for the other skill guys on those teams? What does it mean for your redraft league? What does it mean for especially those of you that play in keeper or dynasty leagues? What it means for me is a lot of us have a lot more time at home these days and maybe a lot more time with your significant others. Whether that's the case or not, you need to know about Manscaped, the only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming and hygiene. I am not afraid to admit I've had a couple of incidents in my manscaping career, a couple of nicks. When I was using like, I think the scissors you're probably supposed to use for like your nose hair, like the little clipper scissor, not good. Because I was trying to get really close so that my you-know-what looked even bigger and it didn't go real well. Thankfully, there's Manscaped. The Perfect Package 3.0 kit comes with the new and improved lawnmower 3.0 waterproof cordless body trimmer. And a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. They got the advanced skin safe technology. Don't be like I used to be. Be like I am now. Get the perfect package for your perfect package. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code FEAST at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code FEAST. Your partner, your body, your balls will thank you. Manscaped.com, code FEAST. 
All right, Joe. So before we get to the running backs, receivers, and tight ends, we have had a couple more quarterback moves that aren't really significant in terms of the additions, but it does tell us what these teams seem likely to do. One is the Patriots signing Brian Hoyer, which I'm taking right now as a clue, Joe, that I think they're going to go with Hoyer or Stidham at quarterback unless the Bengals just release Andy Dalton and they can get him for a lot cheaper. Mm -hmm. I think that's what the Patriots are going to do. So what does that mean for Sony Michelle and James White or Julian Edelman and, and the Patriots skill guys in your mind? Well, obviously, it's a downgrade, um, Ross. We don't know about Jarrett Stidham. And, and now Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels certainly know a lot more than we know about Jarrett Stidham. I mean, he was impressive in the preseason, but we've seen a lot of guys have great preseasons that end up not really doing anything. On the other hand, you have guys like Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott who were mid-round picks as rookies, have impressive preseasons, and are able to parlay that into really good careers, great careers in the case of Russell Wilson. So we're, we're, we just don't know. But Bill Belichick has a better idea. But I thought the, the point that was interesting, and I don't know whether this is blowing smoke or anything like that, but uh, Joe Linta, who's Brian Hoyer's agent, he told Ian Rappaport of NFL Network that – Brian Hoyer is going to have a chance to compete for the starting job in New England. And that's why Brian Hoyer took a deal of about $2 million as opposed to what Linta said was a market where he could have gotten 5 or $6 million as a backup. And clearly Brian Hoyer knows this offense. As a matter of fact, he's been in the room with Jared Stidham because Brian Hoyer was cut last preseason because Jared Stidham was so impressive. Jared Stidham actually won the backup job behind Tom Brady. So I'm not really sure how to read into that. Brian Hoyer has already lost a competition with Jared Stidham. And Joe Linta's saying that Brian Hoyer is now going to get a chance to compete with him again. It doesn't really add up. But right now, I'm kind of with you. I'm not sure they're going to go out and pursue a Cam Newton. I'm not sure they're going to go pursue Andy Dalton. Maybe they're in the market for a quarterback in the NFL draft. But you have to look at the fact that not having Tom Brady, whether you think Tom Brady is is is, is well, obviously he's closer to the end than the beginning, but whether you think Tom Brady is dangerously close to falling off the cliff or not, you have to understand that Brian Hoyer, Jared Stidham are going to be downgrades for Julian Edelman and James White. Those guys, their chemistry with Tom Brady, unmatched. Julian Edelman on those option routes and James White out of the backfield, Brady knowing when to take the checkdowns. I mean, it's an entire downgrade for the Patriots' skill position, guys. And I think these guys are going to be so hard to draft, so hard to value, because for years we've been saying, ah, Edelman in the fourth round is free money. Uh, James White in the sixth round is free money. And it's just not that way anymore. And I'm not sure. The offensive line is going undergoing changes. Dante Scarnecchia retired. So this could be an, a worse offensive line, even though they brought back Joe Tooney uh, from with the franchise tag. So I'm not really sure how to feel about the run game. Right now, as I sit, I don't really see anybody all that appealing on this Patriot offense. I have to be honest. I want to watch and see how the offseason plays out. We're still at least – a month away from the draft because we know the GMs are are trying to convince Goodell to move that back. We'll see what happens. We have plenty of time here to reassess the Patriots, but 
from from a Brian Hoyer, Jarrett Stidham perspective, man, I'm not really sure what what the signals are here because, as I mentioned, Hoyer has already lost a competition to Jarrett Stidham. That's an interesting point. I wonder if you know the Patriots look at it differently if the guy's starting versus being the backup and or if you know that's just something they said to Hoyer. Yeah, to get and him that's, to come. that's the point, that, right? Because if they didn't want to keep three quarterbacks and Stidham impressed enough, then you're going to keep the rookie. So that that's a fair point to make there, Ross. So then the next question is about the Washington Redskins. They made a trade for Kyle Allen, a fifth-round pick, which is nothing to sniff your nose at, which would seem to indicate that they're all in on Dwayne Haskins, meaning they're not going to bring in a Cam Newton or a Jameis Winston or Andy Dalton as sort of Haskins insurance. Does that have an impact in your mind on the Redskins' skill guys in any way? Well, the, the, the funny part is everybody kind of expected in the last couple of weeks that Washington would end up bringing in a former Ron Rivera quarterback. It's just the different one that everybody anticipated. It's not Cam Newton. Uh, Allen, um, for all intents and purposes, Ross, he's under control for the next two, three seasons, which I think would be why they, they dealt the fifth-round pick. Because Rivera, obviously, and, and Scott Turner, the offensive coordinator, they obviously saw enough from Kyle Allen to say, hey – I know he didn't have a great season, but this guy can run the offense. He understands the offense. He's athletic enough. Um, he, I think he was Pro Football Focus's worst graded quarterback in 2019, but he had a bunch of turnovers, but he also made some impressive plays. Um, that being said, I think Dwayne Haskins is in serious trouble if Kyle Allen is able to push him. Uh, that would not be a good news um, for Haskins and I didn't love Haskins coming out of Ohio State. Um, I, I thought he was somebody who obviously has all the physical tools, but when he was under pressure, um, I thought there there were some serious problems there. And obviously the Trent Williams situation is still going on, and it looks like Trent Williams just does not want to play for this franchise. That's potentially a big loss for Washington, even though they have some decent uh, hog mollies up front. Um, so... For Terry McLaurin, um, I think his connection with Haskins was all right. I wouldn't mind drafting him. They still don't have a tight end. I think the best tight end on their roster is Jeremy Sprinkle. And when you get to the running back position, it's something that I frankly want to avoid at this point. I mean, Adrian Peterson, Darius Geis, they signed J.D. McKissick. They signed Peyton Barber. That's not that's not really a backfield I want to dabble in. It might be one of those backfields where if I'm in a best ball draft and I'm in the 16th, 17th round, I'll take a flyer and say, hey, you know what? This could be their third running back or it could end up being their top running back, but I'm not going to be drafting, I don't think, Peterson or Geis. And the other interesting guy uh, who came on at the end of last year is the slot receiver, Steven Sims. He's somebody that I'll probably consider in the back half of the uh, of a best ball draft towards the end few rounds. But right now, this does not look like a very appealing offense for fantasy, Ross. Um, and, and there's not a whole lot out there that can make it a whole lot better. You mentioned the running backs. Let's dive into the running backs that have made moves that are of note the last couple days last week or so since last week's show we can start with melvin gordon who ends up in denver which is interesting two years 16 million eight million a year 
What do you think of Gordon in Denver? What do you think this means for Philip Lindsay? And obviously feels like the kiss of death for Royce Freeman. It certainly does because I think Melvin Gordon, and I'll start there, I think he kind of plays the same role that Royce Freeman plays. And, you know, when you look at the body types of, of a Royce Freeman vis-a-vis a Philip Lindsay, you probably get their roles backwards because Royce Freeman's like six foot, 240, 245 pounds. Um, and he's the guy who ended up with 132 carries, but with 50 targets and 43 receptions. Meanwhile, Philip Lindsay is the guy who's what, 5'8, 5'9, 190 pounds. And he's the guy who ends up with 224 carries and, and only 48 targets and 35 receptions. As a matter of fact, Philip Lindsay has averaged only 6.2 yards per reception in his career. It was down to 5.6 in 2019. So this tells me two things. Number one, the Broncos do not trust Philip Lindsay to be a full-time back. Number two, they don't trust Royce Freeman really to be anything. And they think Melvin Gordon is an upgrade on Royce Freeman. I think they would be foolish to think that um, Philip Lindsay is not part of their team. This is a guy who uh, in two years has run for a thousand yards each of his first two years. I believe he's the first undrafted player to do that. Um, so he's uh, he has this ability, but I don't know if they think he's a great receiver. And I wonder if that's where Melvin Gordon steps in. And this is going to be something when we get into the summer that I think it's going to be entirely based on ADP. I, I, I fear that, uh, Philip Lindsay is going to have the empty calories fantasy touches. The guy who gets 220 carries but doesn't play on third downs and doesn't play in the red zone. Melvin Gordon, in his uh, five NFL seasons, has scored double-digit touchdowns three times, and he had nine touchdowns last year despite holding out for the first four games of the season. So this is someone who, for whatever reason, I don't know I don't know if I believe in the whole he has a nose for the end zone uh, cliche, but the Chargers trusted him inside the 10-yard line. I wonder if the Broncos are going to be the same way. I wonder if the Broncos are going to trust Melvin Gordon on third downs. Just just very crudely, uh, Philip Lindsay in his career averages 6.2 yards per reception. Meanwhile, Melvin Gordon has averaged 8.4. So the numbers suggest Melvin Gordon has been better in the red zone and he's been better on third downs. Even if Philip Lindsay gets more touches than Melvin Gordon, Melvin Gordon can get those calorie-rich fantasy touches that give us the receptions, that give us the touchdowns, that give us the third downs when teams are spreading it out and more potential for big gains. So Melvin Gordon right now, to me, feels more appealing for fantasy. It's just how much more appealing. And when we start to see the ADPs normalize, then I'll be able to get a, a more of a full picture on what Melvin Gordon means to this team. But I think it's very clear that Denver, given the payday they gave him, and as minuscule as that sounds, it's actually a really good payday for running backs in this day and age, which is a shame. But as minuscule as it sounds, the payday suggests they think he is a clear upgrade on Royce Freeman. I think we already knew that Melvin Gordon was going to be gone, uh, but does this impact anything you think about the Chargers, or you kind of we already knew this, so it's no impact? I'm still waiting for the Chargers to tell us what they're going to do at the quarterback position, and I'm interested to see what their offense is going to look like without Phillip Rivers, because whether it's Tyrod Taylor, whether it's Cam Newton, uh, Jameis Winston, whether it's uh, a rookie like a Justin Herbert, 
the offense is going to look different because all those guys have a different level of movement ability than Philip Rivers has had in the last few years. And they've made some interesting moves. They brought in, they brought in Trey Turner in the Russell Okung trade. And, you know, they're, they're beefing up their defense and they gave Austin Eckler the extension. I'm wondering at this point, if Eckler might be a little bit overdrafted, especially if Tyrod Taylor's quarterback, because Tyrod Taylor, um, He's a good downfield passer, but he's not a volume passer in the way Phillip Rivers has been. So I, I wonder if Austin Eckler might end up being a little bit overvalued. But when the Chargers make their move at the quarterback position, if they make their move, then we'll be able to get a full picture of them. At this point, I think I'm I think I'm leaning to the fact that they're going to end up drafting a quarterback. That's the thought that I have right now. Interesting. All right. Let's get to Todd Gurley who is now in Atlanta. This all went down shortly after we recorded last Thursday. The Rams cut him, signed with the Falcons pretty quickly. And, you know, I didn't sit there, Joe, and watch every snap that Todd Gurley had. I will just say this. From when I watched Gurley, I did not get the same feeling I got when I was watching David Johnson. When I watched David Johnson, I thought, this guy just he, he can't run. He can't do anymore. This is sad. When I saw Gurley in a few games, I thought he looked pretty close to Todd Gurley. I thought he moved pretty well. I thought their offensive line took a big step back without Roger Saffold and John Sullivan. So I think I'm higher on Gurley than a lot of other people are. Well, here's the thing. And, and once again, yards per carry is a crude statistic however if you look at it from a team perspective it might provide just a little bit more context and you have to point out that Todd Gurley Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson who combined for over 330 carries last year as a trio all of them averaged under four yards per rush attempt with the LA Rams and look what the Rams did with Todd Gurley they completely reduced his role in the passing game. Even though his snaps were up, they didn't get him the ball. His snaps were, were not up, but they were fine. They were a high le- number for a running back. They didn't get him the ball nearly as much as they did in the previous two seasons. And then they ended up releasing him. So what they did indicates that the Rams do not think Todd Gurley is the same player. But by the same token, Ross, I kind of agree with you. The offensive line was really bad for the Rams last year. And Todd Gurley not being the same player, that potentially had a big effect on his numbers. And if you go to the if you go to the Falcons offensive line, it's a line that is loaded with talent and loaded with first round picks. Now, I don't know if if they play up to an elite level, but I think it's reasonable to believe that the Falcons actually are going to provide a better foundation in front of Todd Gurley than they did uh, uh, than the Rams did last year. And the Falcons, of course, though, thought Devontae Freeman was cooked because they ended up releasing him. I'm not sure how much an, of a huge upgrade on Devontae Freeman Todd Gurley is. Freeman would have been fine for fantasy last year if he scored a couple more touchdowns. He had four receiving touchdowns, but just two rushing touchdowns. Gurley, on the other hand, actually was able to buoy his fantasy value with touchdowns. He had 14 of them in 15 games. Uh, again, 
not to say somebody has a nose for the end zone, but Gurley is somebody who scored double-digit touchdowns basically in every season uh, that Sean McVay's been in Los Angeles, and he scored double-digit touchdowns in four of his five NFL seasons. If the Falcons view him like that, he could end up being a fantasy value. My question is, are the Falcons going to add another back? Brian Hill is just a guy. They gave Kadri Allison the ball at the goal line a bunch, uh, but he only averaged 2.3 yards per carry in large part because they gave him the ball at the goal line a bunch. Um, are they going to add a passing down back here, or do they think Todd Gurley can handle it all? The Rams have already told us what they think of Todd Gurley. They reduced his snaps, then they released him. Uh I think the offensive line's better in Atlanta, and that might give Todd Gurley a chance to bounce back, but he's got to score touchdowns at this stage in his career to really have high-end fantasy value. Believe it or not, he was a top-12 running back last year. Would I draft him as that this year? I would not, and it all comes down to his ADP. What about, Joe, the effect it has now on the Rams left in Todd Gurley's wake? Yeah, uh, unfortunately, if Todd Gurley stayed with the Rams, I was going to be all in on Daryl Henderson this year. Daryl Henderson's ADP is going to shoot through the roof. This was a super talented player at Memphis. Um, some some concerns that he had trouble picking up the offense and or struggled with pass protection last year, which all feeds into, hey, if this offensive line isn't as good and my running back is going to struggle with pass protection, then he's not going to get on the field. They obviously trusted Gurley and Malcolm Brown more in those situations. But Daryl Henderson, I believe, is going to be given the first shot uh, to to get this job from Malcolm Brown. And I'm fighting myself on this, but I actually think maybe it's because I'm just diseased by upside, but I actually think I'd prefer Daryl Henderson in fantasy straight up to Todd Gurley. I, I, I just, I want to go with the younger player who's got more upside right now. Wow. That's interesting. Even though he didn't do much for the Rams. Yeah, I know. Just 147 yards and maybe his ADP will be in the third round. And then you're just like, all right, that's way too expensive. We still have concerns about the offensive line, but I, I, guarantee you this guy is going to go higher than you think and Todd Gurley getting released has already started that hype train it has left the station maybe Malcolm Brown ends up being a cheap kind of uh pivot play away from Daryl Henderson just you know he's an undrafted guy and he's not very flashy and all that stuff maybe he ends up being a nice best ball pivot play but Daryl Henderson I I mean if you think this guy's gonna last 60 picks in a draft I got something to sell you because I don't think it's going to happen with how sharp the average fantasy player is these days. All right, let's get to Jordan Howard. Is he worth talking about? Is he fantasy relevant signing in Miami with the Dolphins? Do you know who Miami's leading rusher was last year, Ross? Fitz? Fitzpatrick? Fitzpatrick was Miami's leading rusher last year. So, yeah. So, Ryan Fitzpatrick came in first in rushing yards on that team. Mark Walton came in second with 201. Their third was Kenyon Drake, who only played in six games with them. And then it was Patrick Laird and Kalen Balaj. So as we sit right now, yes, Jordan Howard is worth discussing. Do I think they're going to go the entire draft without adding a running back? No, I do not. So I think this could end up actually being kind of a similar situation that Jordan Howard had in Philly last year, just on a worse team. Uh, Jordan Howard had a nice year in Philly. Actually, they missed him uh, down the stretch, although it ended up being a Miles Sanders breakout party. But 
Jordan Howard right now, worth talking about as like a seventh, eighth round pick. My fear is in a pretty darn good running back draft class, Miami snags one early and Jordan Howard is reduced to the same kind of role that he was reduced to last year um, in that you're not really sure what he's going to do with Miles Sanders there and he's never been a great receiver. They need a a running back out of the backfield who can catch the ball. Maybe they think that's Patrick Laird. Uh, I don't think he showed enough to be given that opportunity. So Jordan Howard right now, probably worth talking about as a 7th, 8th round pick. I think he'll probably be in that range, maybe even into the 10th, 11th round by the time uh, the, the late summer rolls around, because I definitely expect Miami to add a running back. Got it. Okay, let's get into then, Joe, uh, another position. But before we do, I know you are dying to tell the folks about the underwear you've been sitting around in during the social distancing quarantine. Oh, absolutely, Ross. I, 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 I'm dead serious. I'm not sure I've put a, a like an actual pair of pants on in about two weeks. And over the next few weeks, and God forbid months, we're all going to be spending a lot of time at home. That means a comfortable wardrobe of loungewear and underwear, well, they're going to be your best friends. Right now, Tommy John the revolutionary loungewear and underwear brand that's redefining comfort is offering you 20% off site-wide. You heard right, for a limited time, all customers get 20% off site-wide plus free shipping. That's not just for new customers, that's for all customers. You gotta treat yourself, upgrade to a few pairs of Tommy John underwear in the softest, most breathable fabrics you have ever worn. When your fresh underwear is delivered, slip into them, Experience the no-roll waistband for a perfect fit. That's because Tommy John obsesses over every little detail and stitch by using proprietary fabrics that perform like nothing you have ever worn before. Their underwear comes with a no-wedgie guarantee. Nobody wants a wedgie when you're just sitting around all day. They've eliminated visible panting lines for women, and their quick-draw fly has been proven to save men over 217 unfurling minutes a year. Ross, this is a scientific study. Tommy John is so confident in their underwear that if you don't love your first pair, you can get a full refund with their best pair you'll ever wear, or it's free, guarantee. Tommy John, no adjustment needed. For a limited time, go to TommyJohn.com feast and get 20% off site-wide plus free shipping. That's TommyJohn.com feast for 20% off site-wide plus free shipping tommyjohn.com slash feast love it joe i also love your tight end breakdowns we're going to save the receivers for next week because there's a little bit more to chew on and discuss there but we're going to dive into the tight ends now and we'll start with austin hooper in cleveland boy there's a bunch of good skill guys there the receivers the running back there's even another pretty decent tight end in the joku is this a downgrade for yes. Austin Hooper fantasy as opposed to in Atlanta where he caught a million balls? Yes, he is. And, and look, he was the tight end three last year, 75, 787, six on 97 targets. And he missed three games in the middle of the season to an MCL sprain. Um, he's kind of like Zach Ertz. He's not a great after the catch guy. Um, now, here's the thing I do expect. I expect Cleveland to run a bunch of two tight end sets. Who's their number three wide receiver? Well, it's probably either Hooper or David Njoku. Um, Here is the issue for Austin Hooper, and you brought it up already. 
Yes. Did he play in an Atlanta offense that had Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones? Of course, to a good receiver pair. But the problem now is Hooper is going from an offense that had the most passing volume over the last two seasons in Atlanta to an offense that probably is going to be in the bottom half of pass attempts in the in the league simply because of the way that these teams have played. The Falcons attempted by far the most passes per game last season. They were up near 43 passes per game, and they attempted the fifth most two years ago at about 39 pass attempts per game. The Browns were 20th um, last year, and, 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 and Stefanski, Kevin Stefanski, the new head coach, the Vikings offense ranked 30th in pass attempts per game last season. They have great running backs in Cleveland. Uh, with with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt, uh, they gave a second-round tender to. And probably a downgrade at quarterback, even though I think, once again, this is going to make Baker Mayfield very appealing for fantasy. Um, this is a really bad landing spot for Austin Hooper for fantasy. Do I expect him still to go within the top 10 at the position? I do. They paid him a lot of money. That suggests they value him in a big way. But this is a downgrade for Austin Hooper for fantasy because I am wondering where the volume is going to come from. Um, uh, do I? Again, I'm going to fall for Baker Mayfield this year uh, only because he's going to be post-hype. But for Austin Hooper, it is a downgrade. I'm with you on that. Uh, what What about Hayden Hurst in Atlanta with the Falcons taking Hooper's spot? I don't think people were very happy in Atlanta that they traded a second-round pick for Hayden Hurst. As a matter of fact, it was a second and a fifth, and they got a fourth back uh, with Hayden Hurst. But my hot take is that I would not be shocked if Hayden Hurst – outscored Austin Hooper this year and I know Hayden Hurst basically from the time he landed uh in in Baltimore was outshined by by Mark Andrews that's not going to be the case in Atlanta they gave the price they paid for Hayden Hurst indicates they expect him to be their starter um he's going from an offense that attempted uh, believe it or not, I would have guessed the fewest pass attempts per game last year, but it was fourth fewest in Baltimore to a Falcons offense that, as we just talked about, averaged the most pass attempts per game. The Falcons obviously want their defense to be better, but it stands to reason that they're going to attempt a lot more passes than Lamar Jackson attempted last year. And Hayden Hurst does not have the competition of someone like Mark Andrews. Now, Hurst did flash at times when Mark Andrews was injured last year. Andrews obviously dealt with injuries throughout the season. Hurst had did flash, and he's more explosive than Austin Hooper. So believe it or not, I actually think Hayden Hurst has a shot to finish as a top 10 tight end this year. And depending on where he's going in drafts, I think I'm going to be drafting him quite a bit. Yeah, I, I think he's going to go lower because of what he did in Baltimore, but I think he's going to have a lot closer to Hooper production. I'm kind of with you on that one, Joe. What about Eric Ebron in Pittsburgh? I wasn't really expecting that. That was an interesting signing. Yeah, I actually love it for Pittsburgh. And, you know, Vance McDonald was a guy I targeted quite a bit last year. It just did not work out for multiple reasons. McDonald's had injury problems. And in addition to that, Ben Roethlisberger getting hurt. What the Steelers are doing right now is they're loading up for a Super Bowl run. You know, they made the Minka Fitzpatrick trade last year, which I thought at the time was ill-advised, um, given the fact that Ben Roethlisberger was hurt. Pittsburgh ended up getting uh, some decent play, though, um, from their defense. It was able to carry them because their quarterback play was atrocious. And now I think they're thinking, hey, look, if Ben Roethlisberger is 80% of himself, we have good weapons on offense. We have a great defense. We're going to be a good football team. 
Eric Ebron coming into Pittsburgh just helps matters. I legitimately think he's got a shot to be a top 10 tight end. Now, we know what his what his drop issues are, and Pittsburgh fans notoriously got on Dante Moncrief last year uh, because of his drop issues. But Eric Ebron's just been a more productive player uh, in his career. Uh, Eric Ebron's going to get a lot of hype here because he is in an offense that has Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson, James Washington. This is going to be really interesting to see how Pittsburgh deploys him, but I thought this was a savvy signing by the Steelers. Eric Ebron's going to come in and instantly be their top receiving tight end. I like this move. Would not be shocked if he finishes as a top 10 tight end. Wow. Very interesting. Um, What does it mean in Indianapolis where Ebron no longer is? Uh, I think it's good news for Cameron, uh, not Cameron Bray, Jack Doyle, because Phillip Rivers is going to target in the short to intermediate area. So I think good news for Jack Doyle, who now has uh, an increased volume. Maybe they draft a tight end, but remember, they don't have a first round pick and it's not a great tight end class anyway. So it's great news for Jack Doyle. And what I've noticed about the offseason moves here at the tight end position is they've kind of they've kind of deepened the pool because even though Austin Hooper, I thought took a fantasy hit, it opened up an opportunity for Eric Ebron in Pittsburgh who got away from Jack Doyle. It's opened up an opportunity for Hayden Hurst in Atlanta. Greg Olson left Carolina. That opens up an opportunity uh, for, for Ian Thomas. Jimmy Graham leaves Green Bay. That opens up an opportunity for Jay Sternberger. So we've got all these guys. Uh, Jason Witten leaves Dallas. That opens up an opportunity for Blake Jarwin, who just signed an extension. So not just some of the guys who have moved to new spots does it affect their value, but guys leaving their established spots have pushed some other guys into an area where they might become valuable for fantasy. The one thing I really like about the tight end movement, and that's been underrated here so far in free agency, is it has deepened the pool of sleeper tight ends. Throw Jack Doyle on that pile as well. I think this is going to be a year, unlike last year, where there are a lot of tight end twos in your best ball drafts and in your redraft leagues that are going to be appealing as opposed to last year when there was like a big drop off after the top eight guys. It's a really, really good point, Joe. Uh, The last one that we're going to dive into, Tyler Eifert got a lot more money than I thought he was going to get to go reunite with Jay Gruden in Jacksonville. Eifert in Jacksonville, your thoughts? Um, Low-end tight end, too. I mean, he he actually made it through a full 16-game season, um, but he averaged just 30 snaps a game last year, so the Bengals did not play him at a full uh, full snap rate. He was actually the number two tight end in snaps behind C.J. Uzoma. Um, although, overall, his it was his second-best statistical season um, with 43 catches, three touchdowns, but he was just the tight end 28 in fantasy points per game. I view him as a low-end tight end, uh, tight end two. The Jaguars are obviously trying to see if he has anything left. Um, Josh Oliver, their second-year pro um, from San Jose State, he he was injured last year. Um, maybe this is to give them a little bit of a security blanket in case Oliver can't develop. But Eifert turns 30 in September. I'm not sure he can run anymore, but he could be a factor in the red zone. He has 24 touchdowns in his 59 career games. What does it mean for the Bengals? who presumably Uh, will have Joe Burrow at quarterback. 
I don't know if they're going to add somebody. Um, they drafted Drew Sample in the second round last year, but he was more of a blocking guy out of Washington. Uh, not really sure what his projection is. Um, CJ Uzoma has just been kind of a guy throughout his career. I'm interested to see what what their plan is. Um, right now, um, I don't really have a Bengal tight end on my radar. Incredible work, as always, Joe. Terrific job. Already looking forward to next week. We're going to dive into the receivers. There's a lot to get to there. Emmanuel Sanders, Robbie Anderson, Brashad Perriman, Devin Funches, Randall Cobb. We'll clean up any other free agency moves that happen between now and then. And we'll also talk about the teams that those guys left and how they've been impacted. Speaking of impacted, sports have obviously been impacted by the coronavirus, no NBA, NHL, or MLB. So you might think there's nothing to bet on. That would be incorrect. Bet online has hundreds of events and games to wager on. Let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack, all open 24 hours a day, all online, including their $750,000 poker series. If you're into props, entertainment betting, they've got Survivor and Big Brother and American Idol, etc., and now they've got a 100% sign-up bonus. Visit betonline.ag. Don't forget the promo code PODCAST1 so you get that 100% sign-up bonus, which is so money. BetOnline, they are your online sportsbook experts, which is awesome. Speaking of awesome, yesterday's Even Money podcast was awesome. Tomorrow, Greg Cosell, Ross Tucker Football Podcast. His thoughts on some of these free agent moves will be absolutely epic. Highly encourage you to check that out. And as a reminder, if you take advantage of any of our sponsors, Manscaped, Tommy John, Bet Online, any of the sponsors over at RossTucker.com, you can ask Joe any specific question you want. Just email me, Ross, at RossTucker.com. It is that easy. Ross at RossTucker.com. Other than that, totally stuffed after those baked wings I had for breakfast left over from Saturday night. What are you going to do? We all got to survive these days. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.